This is the Risky Mix podcast, where we speak with those people changing the mix in the insurance industry. Sharing their personal journeys, their inspirational stories, and answering the questions we all want answered. You're listening to Raj and Katie. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So today we're joined by the Head of Mortgages from Albany Park, a lady who entered the industry at the young age of 16, working throughout her time at university. She now has over 10 years experience in financial services, having held regulatory risk and compliance and mortgage advice roles. Welcome, Charlotte Rafferty. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> Thanks Pleasure. for joining us on the Risky Mix podcast. You're welcome. Um, so let's get started. Uh, perhaps you can tell us a bit more about your quite unusual career journey mm-hmm. in the industry. Yeah. So um, as just mentioned, then I was 16 when I first started in financial services. Um, I was a customer advisor for a building society doing Saturdays. Um, I then stayed within financial services um, as I was at university and doing my masters. Um, stayed part time, sort of doing seventeen and a half hours a week. That's what then kept my hand in there with it. Mm-hmm. Um, once I finished my masters, I then got offered a position as a assistant branch manager and trained to do my mortgage qualifications, which sort of was my first step into really properly advising and then getting into that industry from there. Um, I then did that for a little while and decided to um, move on to something else and came out face to face and went direct instead. Um, I then managed a team of for mortgage retentions and new mortgage business. Did that for a little while, we built those up, um, implemented new sales processes and things like that around there. And um, they then got approached to go back um, face to face, back into the branch world, and um, went back as branch manager um, at age 23, I was oh, at the wow. time. Okay. So the youngest one that was going. Um, did that for a little while, for a good few years, um, sort of mixture of branches, sort of going um, to a few different ones, mainly the underperforming ones, sort of bringing them back up again right? Um, and getting them to where they need to be from both, both a performance and a risk and audit point of view. Um, did that for a while, absolutely loved it, but then decided to do a secondment within sort of risk and compliance roles. To be honest, it was more to do with my personal development to begin with and so I thought it's great sort of being on the sales side and within the distribution arms but I also wanted to sort of see the other side behind it as well and mm-hmm. get a better understanding of it. So I did that and I was um, worked within sort of TNC so training new advisors right from sort of CMAP through to their accreditation and then maintaining competency. So a whole range of people within those did that for a little while and then moved more into second line risk so doing um, sort of thematic reviews on business areas um, in terms of sort of the customer journey, anything that we can make better, anything that we need to change around, as well as providing oversight to the first line. Did that for a little while, um, and then I decided to take a career break and have a year off. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to enjoy everything. Sounds like you deserved it at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's something I wanted to do for a long, long time. Um, you went travelling? I did go travelling, yeah. yeah. So I took a year out and did South America, uh, Fiji and Pacific Islands, um, Australia and Asia. Amazing. And then decided to come home. Ran out of money. It's <laughs> probably would have still been going now. <laughs> I need to go back to work. Uh, did a bit of Europe in that time as well. Um, came back and then started with um, Albany Park, part of the Encora group in January last year. Yeah, and that's been a bit of a whirlwind two years as well. Yes. Um, so again, went in there as mortgage quality assurance officer. So responsible for um, the oversight of the advisors um, in terms of file checks, observations, making sure that they're competent moved to broker oversight manager um, a few months later, so responsible for everything TNC-wise and risk-wise on the first line, 
um, moving to Head of Mortgages the back end of last year. It's now responsible for the business, growth, the development, as well as first line risk and TNC. And Amazing. that's where we are. <laughs> so yeah, in a nutshell, that's the last sort of, yeah, 10, 12, 14 years-ish. Wow. And so you manage a team now? I do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so within the team, uh, we've got sort of, within, I'm responsible for the mortgage side. We have a self-employed team and we also have a new employed team which went live on the 1st of July. Wow. So yeah, lots going on. How, how large is that team, or the two teams combined? Um, there's 18 advisors at the moment across both sides, um, so 14 on the self-employed side. They are national, so all over the country, get nice and busy, get to go and see lots of different places. Yeah. Um, and the employed team are based in the Midlands, there's currently four in those, um, but we're planning to sort of grow that team yeah. quite rapidly over the next sort of uh, 12 months. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you, so you're head of mortgages, but you also mm-hmm. talk about protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and is that kind of an area that you you want to kind of grow and, and, and push? Yes. So for me, I think protection is super, super important for a multitude of reasons, but especially when it's um, in line with mortgages, we've got a duty of care to our customers to make sure we're having these conversations and we're putting these policies in place. So for me, it does go hand in hand. If we're advising on the mortgage, we advise on the protection as well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's completely down to the, the client um, in terms of what they want to do with it going forward, but we need to be having those conversations, making sure it's in place, them understanding the risk associated with it and making sure we have protected them should anything happen. So it's very much a joint up approach yeah. on the way I see it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have one without the other. Excellent, excellent. And and jumping back to you kind of starting in the industry mm-hmm. at 16, mm-hmm. what was the motivation to, to step into financial services? Um, to be honest, it was sort of, I sort of fell into it, if oh, I'm going to be really honest. We've heard, <laughs> heard that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> literally, that is what happened. I think it was, I started to go 16 when I started and yeah. always kept my hand in it. My background's in psychology. Yeah. yeah, both my first degree and my second degree, which actually it, it's used quite a lot in the industry. That would, whether it's with a client or whether it's with customers, whether mm-hmm. it's with um, the people that I'm looking after, yeah. you do use psychology quite a lot. But it was just a case of finished my masters, got offered a fantastic opportunity. I did really love doing what I did um, for work. I was when I was at uni. And it just sort of escalated from there. Yeah. And that was right. it, really. And that was it. And then you were in. You that were, was it. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah enjoy, a, you just enjoyed it. Just enjoyed it. Got yeah. a buzz from it. It was great meeting new people all the time. Yeah. Being able to help them and being in that environment. And it just, yeah. And that's just where we went from. Yeah. It was literally in a, yeah, in a nutshell. That's <laughs> in a nutshell, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested about the psychology. I have a psychology degree, too, because yeah. I decided after my my first degrees that I wasn't done studying. Yeah. But how do you find that you use a psychology degree in the work? workplace? I think for me it's all about individual differences in people. So being able to understand um, that people are different and different things are important to them, people taking information in different ways, people respond in different ways and it's being able to adapt to the person that you're engaging with in that time. So whether it is a customer, finds out what is important to them and how they respond to things. Similarly if you are looking and managing, looking after and managing a team, also, how do they respond to things? How, if they need a bit of support, how do you go about doing that? If they need some training on something, how do you adapt it to their style so they're taking it in? Everybody's different. So the psychology mm. behind that um, really does come into play mm. quite a lot. Yeah. Mm. What about yeah. you, Arch? I mean, how has your psychology degree kind of shown itself? Uh, uh, you know what, I think it's pretty much the same thing. Um, 
I, particularly um, in, in some of the sort of customer research, user experience type work that we've done in making sure that the product is fit for the customer. Mm. I come from a product management background. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really, really important, ensuring that, again, yeah, a, a product is fit for every customer's needs. And then, again, working with people, you're constantly, mm. if you're managing people, if you're managing stakeholders, mm. uh, like you said, it's very much about understanding the differences, understanding how people respond, understanding um, the best way to work with people yeah. to, to get make the most of both of your experiences so yeah, yeah definitely I agree I find it so fascinating that you um, were in a sales role and then made the shift to risk and compliance which usually people think it like opposite ends of the spectrum yeah um, what drove you to do that and, and what has that brought to your career um it's it was a bit of a personal decision for me at the time so I've been in sales for quite a long time, around the distribution side, I've been customer facing for, for a number of years. Um, and from a sort of a risk and compliance point of view, as an advisor, it was very much stay green, remain competent, and that's sort of as far as it went. Mm. Always had an appreciation for risk and compliance, but never a true understanding. So for me to progress further in my career, that was my decision to sort of take a step out of distribution and actually Go on, mm. go to the go to the dark side as I was yeah. told at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, get get to know that side a little bit more. So again, yeah, very personal, uh, personal reasons for it. Um, people in terms of um, my heads are and, and above couldn't quite understand the decision at the time because mm. I was earmarked for certain roles again going forward. But for me, I thought yeah, take the side of the step for now, um, get better at what I do, get a better understanding, open up more doors. Um, do things that I've not done before as well and then sort of see where it takes me um, and now I think the position that I'm in now and ones that I've had previously to be able to deliver a balanced approach to sales and to and with oversight yeah, on the compliance yeah. side they go hand in hand and for people who are listening to this podcast who have got an opportunity to rotate into another team mm-hmm. would you recommend therefore that they do that 100 yeah. percent okay. every any sort of door that opens up everything's a learning curve and you're always learning even if it's something that you don't like or something that you're not too fond on you've still had that experience and you've learned something from it and you've taken something away from it you don't know who you're going to meet along the way you don't know what other doors are going to open and even if you think sometimes that you're not learning something once you actually take a step out of it and look back you realize that you have so upward steps are absolutely fantastic and promotions are absolutely fantastic but for me i think sideward steps are just as important if you really want to sort of develop a, a well-rounded approach to sort of whatever role it is that you're moving into going forward as well you yeah. need to have an appreciation for everything that everybody does around you because yeah. if all the departments aren't working together can, nothing's ever going to grow nothing's ever going to yeah. change yeah. yeah so thanks charlotte for telling us a bit more about your career <laughs> journey um so you i mean you entered the industry as a really young female mm-hmm. uh, potentially into quite a male-dominated yeah. uh, space i mean have you found any challenges around that and how have you overcome those challenges Yes, it's probably the simple answer that to begin with. Um, I think for me, I was young um, when I first entered, and yes, it is very male-dominated. Um, I do think it's getting better. Um, I still think there's an awful long way to go. Um, I also think in terms of overcoming them, that comes with experience as okay. well. Because yeah. certain situations that I probably had in my early 20s, if I have them now, I'll probably react to them very, very differently okay. um, or, yeah, or overcome them differently. So I once when I was younger, um, I was told to not get pregnant because it would ruin my career in my early twenties. Wow. Okay. So we had some of those um, sort of similar comments around that, especially if you were um, sort of networking events or 
potential sort of um, dinners and drinks after there'd be comments that are inappropriate that certain people think it's okay to say mm. um, which it isn't mm. being a young female mm. still goes on now because you still do hear them every now and then um, but in terms of overcoming them I think it's just it's a case of rising above them okay. to be honest um, and if you're uncomfortable with something saying you're uncomfortable with it sort of calling people out but still doing it in a respectful way mm-hmm. um, in terms of what you want to get back from that at the same time Okay. In terms of um, being younger in, mm. in, the, in the industry, did you was there anything sort of around age and lack of experience that you found was challenging, either for yourself or other um, male colleagues who are potentially your age, you know, early twenties, late teens? Yeah, I'd be. Oh gosh, when I was younger, I would quite frequently potentially be um, overspoken by men in meetings. Um, mm-hmm. My opinion wouldn't be taken into account. I'd be invited to meetings. Um, sometimes it was come across like it was sort of a bit of a token gift just mm. to try and say oh we are being diverse we are sort of inviting everybody <laughs> who we should be but actually when it came down to it was anybody really listening right. um, even from a sort of a customer point of view when I was branch manager early 20s I'd have certain well, I've had two occurrences where um, somebody has asked to speak to the manager I've obviously come out and they've turned around to me and said no I've asked for the manager you're looking at <laughs> so it's not even just from even in the industry it's actually how mm. other how consumers yeah. and customers oh, wow. see you as well in terms of being young and being female that's really interesting right okay I mean how, how do you overcome something like that again you just rise above it um, it's a right. case of saying yeah, that's me uh, you've asked to speak to me how can I help you you right. still you keep it very respectful and yeah. keep it on that level where you need it to be um, it does feel like you do need to overcome barriers so sometimes you need to sort of go above in terms of who you are and your experience and try and win them round. Mm. I think again from my own experience now over the last 10 years I wouldn't really do that anymore but mm. when I was younger I would do mm. I wouldn't yeah. feel the need to justify myself and mm. why I'm in a certain position or anything else um, but yes I think that's probably the biggest the change but it's the case if you sort of keep it there and stay rational yeah. that's what it is people have got their own opinions and their yeah. own perceptions yes they do need to be changed again you don't know what's going on with them sometimes for them to to see things a certain way as well it is a whole cultural shift that needs to happen and it isn't going to happen overnight no and and sometimes it's it's for everybody it's having the confidence to kind of stand up Mm. for yourself right Mm, and and actually put yourself out there which is hard I think for for a lot of people I find that hard Um, yeah definitely I think particularly if you're brand new to to the industry or to the workplace it is it takes time and experience and role models in the industry to be able to learn those skills yeah it really really does and I think it's all about using your voice when you have got it and supporting younger people that are coming through yeah. and or younger females that are coming through and being there as a bit of a mentor if they need some advice sure. or a sounding board because unfortunately these situations still happen and they will yeah. continue to happen as well. Um, but being able to sort of stick together and talk about it mm. because yeah. if it's not spoken about, it'll take even longer for us to sort of start breaking down barriers and certain people's perceptions maybe to, to yeah. change really yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so, so talking about kind of bringing young women into the industry and supporting mm-hmm. them I mean has, has that kind of uh, been in your mind when you've been recruiting people to the the mortgage teams you know how have you built those teams mm-hmm. have you built diverse teams yeah so um yeah I would say how I think for me, it's still very much about the right person for the job, regardless yeah. of the age, regardless of the Gen Z. That doesn't it, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. It doesn't come into play. But again, it's still very important to have a balanced approach and to have that diversity in there because if not, everything's one-sided. Nothing new is getting brought to the table. We don't yeah. grow. We don't develop. We don't go any further really. 
Um, but yeah, recently in terms of my team, the, um, the proportion of male and female has changed quite a lot. So we've sort of tipped that a little bit, yeah. um, which is good. So we're going to bring a lot more balance in there age-wise as well. Um, right. Really nice sort of spread in terms of ages from right. sort of late 20s right up into the 60s. Yeah. So really, really broad sort of gap. Um, so yeah, I think it's consistently sort of working on that while still making sure that we are putting the right people in there and yeah. supporting them regardless of, of anything really. Yeah. So what, I mean, obviously you've spoken about a lot of diversity there, so mm-hmm. gender diversity, age diversity. Um, what is it that you're looking for for your for the roles in your team that mm-hmm. sort of sits across all of those different groups? For me at the moment, in terms of my teams, it is about experience. So in terms of the team that we're building, I want that to be built on, um, on experienced team members that can bring something new to the table so we continue to grow, get bigger, develop and go further and push ourselves really. Um, it's a mix of personalities as well mm-hmm. so again something new being brought in so and that does come through sort of age and sort of different backgrounds as well yeah. um so yeah in terms of sort of um experience I, mean, I would love to at a point maybe next year start taking on trainees that's a big I thing agree. for me yeah. as well so really really fresh sort of maybe it doesn't necessarily still have to be out of um, education or anything like that or any, anybody that wants to get, sort of get into this environment but training them right right from the grassroots levels upwards because yeah. I was lucky enough to have an opportunity yeah. when I was younger and then yeah. this is where I am now um, but in terms of the types of experience that we've got in the team character wise um, very open and honest culture is something that I'm very big on sort of brooding within the people that I work with and work with me um, I think f- as long as we're open, we're honest, and we're all very, very transparent with each other, that's when we'll continue to grow. Because if yeah. something isn't working, we'll change it, mm. or we'll, we'll take other people's opinions in terms of how we need to to swap things around. Um, sort of going further from that as well. When you have got people that are open and honest, it really does. The, it, it brings new ideas to the table. It's mm. probably the biggest thing. Mm. Um, so like if there's creativity. Some, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or something that maybe I've not thought of. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Wouldn't even have, that wouldn't even have come into my, my, sure. my mind. Yeah. And as well, from having people from different backgrounds and different ages, it also brings different contacts. So people that they've worked with previously, that opens yeah. up other avenues as well. So we're constantly doing a lot of external development to then be able to sort of pull new things in um, and push us further, really. Have you seen, Charlotte, a difference in... I don't know, the, the mix of, of men and women who come for mortgage advice or the mix of ages, you know, amongst the people who are looking for for mortgages. I mean, what are you seeing there or what, or what are your teams seeing? I think what we've noticed, well, for me personally, again, since um, we've set up this new team, I've spent an awful lot of time with the new one in the, the new team in the Midlands, there's an awful lot of naivety out there still within the market. So especially first-time buyers, um, there's a lot... There's huge education piece I think that still needs to go on around there around and around what topic in terms of the process of buying a house or everything yeah right. just to do with finances right. to do with what um, how mortgages work the whole process actually what's out there mm. um there's, there's, a, there's a lot that still needs to be done and not even that like even second and third time buyers or people that are remortgaging um there's we might potentially see people that are in horrendous arrears Right. or really aren't in a position to be able to remortgage but the fact that they don't know that there's still there's a lot right. of there's a big piece of work I think that still needs to go on for consumers around that and the importance yeah. around mm-hmm. it and what, what, what in your in your mind what can we do to to Raise deliver that education yeah yeah, yeah it's a tough one I think it's one of those things that needs to be constantly spoken about as well okay. so in terms of I mean for me in an idle situation this 
type of stuff needs to be rolled out in schools so yeah like, right mm-hmm. right yeah. at the very very beginning yeah it's great sort of having um doing what you maths and doing your english and doing everything that, that around that that needs to happen but there's nothing that's really then goes to actually apply that into real life right. i know this conversation gets spoken about so much but it's true say so mm. when it comes to mortgages when it comes to managing your finances when it comes to your credit rating and your credit score and potentially what could impact it and credit cards store cards um, and tax, as well, VAT, right? yeah, yeah, protection, Insurance. how important that is. People would prefer to pay 50, 60 quid a month on Sky yeah. rather than actually protect themselves if something were to happen. I remember somebody, when I first started um, advising on protection, a coach that I had at the time, and it always stays with me, he did say, um, if you had a machine that spit out a certain amount of cash every single month that you needed for X, Y, and Z, would you ensure that machine from breaking down? Yes. Of course you would. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so like similarly as well, if you've got somebody that does own a house and it's the big, it's not the debt that they look at, it's the mortgage, it's their home. Yeah. And it's something, and it's this, this place that they've wanted or then they've spent time making it their own. It's yeah. really, really important to them. Yeah. Why wouldn't you make sure that's protected mm. if something were to happen? Um, so again, yeah, it's very much around that's the education right, right at the beginning and continually carrying on with that as well. Yeah. Obviously, the way times are changing now, obviously social media is a fantastic, huge platform, especially if you want that to engage younger people around yeah. it as well. Mm, yeah. And I think a lot more needs to be done um, to, yeah, to, to move that forward, really. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge piece, I think, there. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's great for those of us who actually do come into the industry at a very young age that you pick up this knowledge yeah just by being in the industry, which you're right, you're not taught at school, Mm. you're not taught about life planning when you're at school, about retirement, Mm. about um, buying a place, etc. Because we've spoken to other young women on the podcast who are very similar, like they've taken out ISAs because they've fallen into the mortgage uh, advice market, which is really great. So being able to share that with other young people I think is really important. Yeah, I agree, Mm. definitely. Um, And and what do you think that, um, obviously, you've really worked to create diversity in your team because Mm -hmm. you're looking for underlying skills and abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, What what more do you think we could be doing as an industry to encourage diversity or to attract younger people from very diverse backgrounds um, to the industry? Um, I think it's a case of speaking more about the diversity around it and the need for people from different backgrounds to come in. Um, it could, yeah, even right down to things like careers fairs and mm. how often do you see people from financial services at these mm. type of things? You don't really, you no. don't see them at all. But things like apprenticeships and stuff like that, I think yeah. we need more of that within financial services as well. Yeah. It's a fantastic way in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, the people that don't want to go on to further education, technically you don't need to in financial services you don't need to have qualifications mm. if you want to study fantastic if you don't want to it's not the end of the world but letting people know that there is there's the huge load of options out there in yeah. terms of getting involved with us and yeah. um, again nothing that comes down to people like all of us that work in work in it to, yeah. to promote it really and then yeah. bring, bring people through that way I think mm. it's, it's interesting isn't it because we've had we've had chats with other kind of podcast guests and mm. um the, there is that perception that insurance and financial services is a bit boring I think mm-hmm. we can be pretty pretty honest about that but actually what we do is so important mm-hmm. and impacts yeah. people's lives every single day Hugely. and I think I didn't really appreciate quite what I mean more and more protection but quite what protection can do and does do and how it helps people and I yeah. think if I'd have known that when I was younger I would have seen financial services in a completely different light yeah. to yeah. A, a very corporate potentially boring job yeah. I think with it as well it's 
I think touching on the perception side of it as well, I think people think because they don't really know about it and it's complex and it's this and it's that, so that makes it stuffy and it makes it boring, mm. it isn't that at all. Yeah. Especially when you're learning from sort of the bottom going up. There's so many avenues to go down and so many things to get your teeth into. Yeah. And I think once that sort of, the, the thought of it being complex and scary and that's taken out of it, that completely changed people's perceptions yeah. as well. Yeah, completely. Um, so again, it's all around the education around it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. understanding it. Yeah. I remember I, when I came out of university, I ended up on a graduate programme at um, uh, one of Australia's biggest banks. And I remember, you know, the couple of days before my first day, I was like, I have... I have no idea what I'm going to be doing yeah. there. And I am 100% sure that whatever they're going to ask me to do, I'm not going to be able to yeah. do because I, I just don't know anything about this yeah. whatsoever. And it was it was terrifying walking into that um, that building and then realising that actually I wasn't expected to know anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you just yeah. sort of, you can learn this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely we need to create more awareness and of, of how friendly we are as yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're actually nice people. We're nice to work with. We'll work with it. So yes. We'll yeah. under our wing and we'll teach you. It's fine. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's, an, it's another another thing actually that, that a podcast guest said, but the roles in insurance and banking are so varied now. Yes. And obviously technology has enabled all these new types yeah. of really mm. interesting, exciting, yeah. diverse roles. Mm. It's very different to how it was, you know, 10, 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And so it's it's making people aware that there are different types of roles they can do as well. It's not oh, just the... Completely, you know. completely agree. Thanks so much, Charlotte. I think we've um, we've about run out of time. So thanks for joining us on the, the Risky Mix podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via our Twitter account, at Risky Mix. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. And if you know any inspirational women in the industry who you think would be great for the Risky Mix podcast, get in touch. See you next week.